Hello and welcome to episode 216 of Effect. A bridge too far? I'm Matthew. And I'm Dave. And today we've got, as usual, a packed programme for you. Um, no, we haven't, in, Dave. We've, pack, we haven't, shut up, let me finish. Been. Packed in that we've got, as usual, plenty to talk about in the world of gaming. Um, <clears throat> and then we have a... Uh, the main part of the show is... As the title refers to, a an article about Operation Market Garden, because I have recently finished the first draft of the War Stories role, role playing game, um, Rendezvous with Destiny Part Two campaign, which is Market Garden. Which, for those of you who don't know um, and can't b- be bothered to wait until list later in the show to hear, uh, no, is... make them wait until later in the show, Dave. Or otherwise, <laughs> there's nothing for them to listen to. Oh, there is. There's loads of them to listen to. There's us. It's our dulcet tones just uh, easing people into... I was going to say easing people into a Sunday morning, but it's easing me into a Sunday morning because yeah. it is Sunday morning. And Yeah, uh, 20 past I was, 10. I was woken up... Recording by, that we were going to start at half past nine. By your call at half past nine and went, oh shit, I forgot the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, I, did, I was tw- 20 minutes from that moment to, to, you know, calling you back. That wasn't so bad. Yes, so we have a bunch of World of Gaming stuff, and we have me talking a bit about Market Garden, both from, for those of you who don't know the history, just a very brief bit on, on what Market Garden was, but then obviously talking about how um, how I approached that in a role-playing sense for the War Stories role-playing game. And that's yeah, it. Yeah, and that sounds... And, um, we have a bit of a discussion, because I'm I'm getting to the end of book one, it was not. I don't know whether we're at the end. We're, we're slightly rushing the end of book one um, uh, of Rendezvous with Destiny, okay, in the game cool. that I'm playing. Um, so we're moving on to a, a final climactic um, confrontation uh, in a town that I now can't remember, even though I'm desperately trying to string out the words until I can remember. Never mind. Carantan. Um, Carantan is the Carantan. Name of the that's the one. That's the one. Just as well you remember because you wrote it. Um, <laughs> yes. It's all French to me, though, mate. Um, and uh, yeah, and oh, Thomas. Hang on, Matt. Matt well, I'll do, I, I, will, I will do a Greek campaign just so you can say it's all Greek to me, okay? <laughs> Rather than that very desperate attempt to, to make that joke. We could do French. a. Yeah, you want to do a Romans thing, so we could do a Romans and Greece thing, that, and then it can definitely yes. all be Greek. Yeah, true. Anyway, sorry, you were saying Thomas was... You were talking about Thomas. Yeah, Thomas predicts that this is probably three more sessions of play. And how long is each session that you're running at the minute? And we're playing for a couple of hours each time. Yeah. He's speeding us through because Australia goes on to summertime just as we're going on to wintertime. And then... His five o'clock start in the morning gets even earlier, and um, <laughs> yeah, he, so he's not he's not looking forward to doing that. Yeah, yeah, he wants to. I he mean, wants to get us done by then. But I'm really keen um, that um, that maybe next summer we'll be able to uh, to move straight on to uh, Market Garden because oh, we're, okay, we're enjoying cool. ourselves. Is, is is well, we can talk about this more maybe after you've done your bit. But we are enjoying okay. war stories frankly more than i expected to all right that's cool yeah i mean it's true I mean, when i when when i heard that you guys are all playing it and you you particularly going to be be a player in it i did wonder whether it was you know kind of in your wheelhouse um, yeah and i think but, i think from the outset it, no 
it's not in my wheelhouse, but we can explain this later on. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I'm, you know, the game is called War Stories. It's about fighting in the war. But, you know, yeah. I was I was desperate to make sure it focused very much on the players and it was more about the story of the of the individual soldiers than the story of how many battles they fight. You yeah. Know, if yeah. you if you yeah. look at something like if you look at something like Band of Brothers, yes, there's a lot of action, but actually the action is the backdrop to the you know, the the, the young exactly. men who are in that position in that situation. And that's kind of what I wanted to try and get out in yeah, um, I Rondo think, I think with you Destiny. Have at least in some measure achieve that but we can talk about that well, after fake, you've done fake your praise rings in my bit. ears mate <laughs> <laughs> that's as good as you're gonna get mate at least in some measure is a bloody exactly. compliment coming from me <laughs> it is it really is yes um so uh yeah okay. uh, we don't have any new patrons uh because you know why we don't have any new patrons dave because um, they're fed because up with you getting up late to record everyone's the show. Everyone's bored with us. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But, but we do have plenty of existing patrons. So thank you to who, everyone yes, who uh, very much, supports very much. the show. Um, we couldn't do it without you. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's move on to <laughs> the world of gaming swiftly. Yeah, swiftly on to the world of gaming. Uh, the thing I wanted to talk about is... Something very important has happened in the world of Mork Boy, yeah? Um, the Swedes, uh, as we know, ever since uh, they licensed, well, strictly speaking, Magic World, uh, but RuneQuest version, of, anyway, they, 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 you know, the Swedes have been big on ducks in role-playing games. Uh, and people may well have asked, why are there no ducks in Mork Boy, yeah? And uh, now there are, because there's a whole new game coming out called Duck Boy. And um, is, is, that, is that Stockholm Cartel doing that? Yeah, no, not at all. This not is, a, all, this is right. a, no, okay. Yeah, this is somebody else. Um, and in fact, having said it's uh, putting ducks into the world of Mort Boy, I don't think it is really. Um, it's coming from Gen Room Games. Okay. It comes in the standard, uh, you know, yellows and pinks that one expects from any sort of milk for your product. But um, I believe it is a whole different world. Once okay. the gleaming jewel of Calisota, a foul wind, foul, you see what they've done there, foul, F-O-W-L, blows down the streets of Duckborg, abandoned by all but those foolish enough to travel there. So... Um, it looks to me very much in the tradition of um, DuckTales, I think, in a way. But more punkish, obviously, as befits. Um, <laughs> DuckTales. Is that the one? DuckTales. Is that one? Yeah, the, the, the animated the cartoon. TV show. Right, okay. DuckTales, yeah. yeah. I think it's more like that than it is like Merc Boyer. But it's quite a lot like Merc Boyer because... It's Duckborg, and you can buy it now. Um, a downloadable okay. module for $12, and we will put a link in the show notes. Although I realise I did the whole last show without putting any links in the show notes. So if people we promised links in the show notes to in the last show, it may, I got the show notes there, but I, I didn't link any of them. So um, yeah. I might get around to doing that. But first thing first is get this show out. Anyway, that's Duckboyer for you. If you wanted ducks in your Merkboar, then... Um, then here we've got it. We've got those mm. ducks. 
whilst we're on whilst we're on the uh, the the boyer side of things, um, uh, my copy of Pirate Borg turned up this week, and oh, I yes, just want to mine too. I just want to say Two it's a love it's a lovely little book. Actually, it's it's probably twice as thick as Merc Boyer, um, in terms of pages, but it feels the better for it. It's a chunky, really nice little book. Lovely design, actually. I prefer I prefer the design to this than the the Merc Boyer one. That's just a bit it's a bit out there for me. Um, I haven't read it yet, and God knows if I'll ever play it. But I just wanted to, to to record the fact that it it's um it's a lovely book, and it's a very nice one I- to have in your hands uh, or on the shelf. And there's a very interesting thing at the end, uh, which I uh, wanted to talk to a bit about. Um, actually, it is. You see, I don't like the design as much as I like the design of Merc Boyer. It's um, arguably, you know, it's got too many fake piratey pages uh, as opposed to pink and yellow. I'm all over the pink and yellow me, you know me. I, I know, um, yeah. And I, I get that and, completely. Um Frankly, think, too few typefaces. Although it does do quite well on mixing up the typefaces. It's got a fair few, isn't it? I, I, but unlike you, I won't have gone through it and counted them all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't yet counted, counted, counted all the things. But what I particularly like about it is there's a module at the back, and that is covering. I'm just trying to see actually page count. Where are we at? It's going from about 100 page 128 all the way through to uh, 160 and it's all about skeleton point and um, <laughs> what they say here the curse at skeleton point is not a typical introductory adventure it is a location guide an npc dossier a sandbox a dungeon crawl and much more it's a loaded cannon and your players are the linstock New GMs might feel a little lost as there is a lot to do on the island and every group will certainly handle it differently. Don't worry. Use the module as needed or throw it to Davy Jones's locker when your pirates inevitably set the entire island on fire. On fire. And then it goes on to give you advice on if you're starting a campaign, then play it yeah. this way. If you want a one-shot arc or, you know, you know, a con game or something like that, then play it this way. So, and I thought... What it reminded me a little bit of is our New Mexico campaign mm. setting uh, in that, you know, it's not just an introductory adventure. It's a campaign starter. Well, it's a, a place. Yeah. It's a, lo- yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a very big location with lots of locations. Yes. Within it. Yeah. With potential, you know, for, for many more adventures. So that is, mm. you know, compared to the more, you know, you talked about the book being about twice as thick. If you like a Mortborg adventure, and some of the best ones, arguably, are uh, written on two sides of a sheet of gatefold paper. Um, yes, yeah. And even the, the the adventure rock black sludge in the book is relatively short, and it's very economical use of words. This is more words, but there's more value in it as well. Um, mm. I haven't actually read it all the way through, apart from that sort of bit that I just read out. Um, yeah. Uh, so I I don't know whether it's we talked about Death in Space ages ago, and I said what I really liked about Death in Space was how it evoked a whole world in a tiny number of words. Yeah, I don't know whether this is as efficient in its world building, um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's more of a resource for setting your campaign in. 
Yeah, and as you say, that might be something we want to do in Toto for 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 New Mexico. Um, mm. I think there's so so in 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 relatively recent past, I've had quite a few brushes with different ways of doing kind of scenario seeds or plot hooks mm. and stuff in different games, and there's. <clears throat> I think there's something about all of them that I'm finding unsatisfying. Either mm. either they're too sh- potentially too short and don't give you enough, or they're too long and you might as well just write the bloody scenario. Um, and there's a sweet spot in there of hitting, yeah. like as you say, with with an efficiency of words, but also you know enough, you know, like um, with enough quality on your wordsmithing to to get that impact you want across in a very short number of words um well you know what you should want... do because you you haven't particularly read e- any mortborg adventures or um no no I mean, i've read or, through or death mortborg in space adventures. A book, but yeah i i think you'd do well to look at some of the mortborg adventures because i think they they are really efficient in terms of the way they create the world and yet I, I mean, the challenge with Mortborg Adventures is they can be written by everybody, so some of them may not be. But if you go to the source material, the Stockholm Cartel ones, yeah, in that <clears throat> and in Death in Space, um, have a look at how they how they create ones there. Just as a guide, yeah, just I, I did, I'm not I saying it's the at, way to do it, but it's yeah. something I've been impressed no, by. I mean, I did have a look at Death in Space some time ago, and there were some sort of hints and tips out of that that I took, which mm. um, you know I particularly like a. Particularly around um, uh, like NPC bios, keeping them short, but painting a picture of a character in like fifteen words or something. And I use that in Patience is a Virtue, and I think that worked quite well. I think there's a thinking about the campaign element of Tales of the Old West. I think what you want, to, what I want to be able to do, is set up, you know, New Mexico as a as a location with lots of kind of little seeds in. But with one or two that are easy to expand into a scenario, and one or two, a, a number that are easy to expand into a scenario, um, and then whether we want to put an introductory scenario in there based on one of those is another is another question. And then it also mm. comes down to how many words we want to devote to the campaign element of of the game. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, now, given you've just done, uh, hopefully, a kind of final draft. I, I actually it, want to do a 95 percent. I think. I think there are things in there that will still need a little tweaking, but we're we're quite yeah. Close. But but I want to do a flat plan just to see roughly how many pages we're looking at. Um, in yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, going depending on how many words per page you go for. I mean, Modifius aimed at about you know, or work on the basis of about five hundred words per page. So we're currently looking at something like 180 to 200 pages on that basis. Yeah. Um, Which I feel for our first game may be a bit heavy if we're going to publish it ourselves. but Because um, that's a lot of pictures. It's quite a lot of pictures, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, we shall... But um, yeah. We should, we should discuss take this discussion probably yeah. offline. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are we in the world of gaming having... Gone for a big diversion. Uh, what's so on the our next list? thing on the list is Deathmatch Island, which is something you put on there. So I, yes, I don't know. Let me tell you I about Deathmatch Island. I, I can, I can sound surprised and guffaw. So Deathmatch Island comes from the brilliant minds at Evil Hat, 
um, and they they make some great games. So we, we quite like Death Batch Island. It's coming to Kickstarter soon. They've just announced it. I don't think they've got a Kickstarter date for it. Um, and what it is, is kind of PvP, uh, Running Man style roleplay. You wake up having been... Um, sort of recruited onto a TV show where there's a massive prize if you win. Um, and it design looks lovely. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, I'm not sure it's a role-playing game for everyone. I'm not actually even sure if it's a role-playing game with me, but colour me intrigued, I think, is what I'm saying at this stage. It sounds a bit um, like a, a kind of... Um, the kind of thing you would do as a one-shot. Um, you know, rather less of a kind of whole game, but more of just a a way of playing a game really yeah because, um, because presumably these things you know your your death matches are are exactly that your character either survives and wins the prize and goes into uh you know into retirement or doesn't win and is dead yes i imagine that to be the case otherwise yeah. it's not so much of a death match is it no um so i'm imagining <laughs> Sli- slight, it's slightly bruised match yeah and i and I don't know, but I kind of hope uh, it's 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 not um, Katniss Everdeen uh, overthrowing the entire um, neo-Roman Empire of America. Um, I, I I'd kind of kind of hope that it is literally what it says, Death Batch Island, that there isn't a better plot where you um, take over the game and you know destroy the oppressors um, you know what playing um hunger games effectively yeah and that that's why i said can it's everything yeah um i i can't quite remember how Bat- battle royale ended do you ever see battle royale yeah yeah um well, a long time ago now yeah it is some, a long some, time ago it was made some somebody won <laughs> i think but they uh, won as opposed to overthrowing the oppressive regime that uh, yeah that i don't i don't think no, I don't think they overthrew the, the oppressive regime. I think that was the point. Woo-hoo! You know, that kind of Japanese style movie is uh, is very dark and downbeat. Yeah, and quite quite grim. Um, so I hope it's more battle royale than um, yeah. than uh, than it is Hunger Games or, think, or the running or the Running Man where. Yeah, Arnie, and Arnie I think Game actually to be more, it's, it's more like Running Man because I don't think it's particularly school kids fighting like it is in, in those yeah. two. I think, I think yeah. you've grown up. Um, but anyway, it looks good. I will follow the Kickstarter with interest, although I don't know whether I will... I might go for a PDF. We'll wait and see. Do we know when it's coming out on Kickstarter? Uh, I don't think I've got an announced date yet. I definitely no. didn't when I put it on the list. Uh, Deathmatch Island, let me look. Do you want to talk about... Um, Cohors Cthulhu while I look it up uh, I can do that yeah so um, we've spoken about Cohors Cthulhu a couple of times before this is uh, Modifius's next instalment in their um, sort of Cthulhu mythology um, line of role playing games set as the name suggests uh, at the time of the Roman Empire <clears throat> uh, specifically at the time of uh, the Emperor Marcus Aurelius uh, about what 180 common era um where yeah you 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 will play people in that setting who are involved in this uh, enormous kind of war against the old gods and it's it's taking Akhtun Cthulhu and putting it in a Roman setting 
So yes. the reason I'm interested in it um, is because I've worked on it a little bit. I've, I've done a couple of scenarios, which will hopefully be coming out. I'm not sure if they're coming out as part of the initial Games Master's Guide and Player's Guide. They might be coming out later on. But yeah, so there's a couple of scenarios there that I've done. And I did a little bit of impromptu sort of Roman consulting for them back in the day, which was oh, a couple of years ago now, where I looked over some of their stuff and, and gave them some comments on the historicity of some of their Roman setting. So I was able to you know, fine-tune it a little bit, which was great. But it's it's another one of Modiphius's line, which does just about everything. So they're bringing out mm. role-playing games. They're bringing out a skirmish game. They're bringing out a, a line of um, miniatures. So there's a lot to Cohort Cthulhu. Although I, I think it's the role-playing game that is coming to Kickstarter in the next few weeks, so October the 3rd. But I think that's okay. the role-playing part of it rather than the rest. Um, and yeah. Deathmatch Island is coming to crowdfunding on October the 17th, but it's not coming to Kickstarter. It's going straight to Backer Kit. Okay. Um, so uh, we will put links in the show notes, I guess. Deathmatch Island is, and I, I don't think I was aware of this the first time I read it, it's based on Aegon, which is the kind of um, Bronze Age role-playing game uh, that... Um, okay. John Harper created. Um, yeah, I'm not so, familiar uh, with that, so I don't know what yeah. what what kind of the engine will be for that one. Uh, a little bit like Blades in the Dark as well, I think. Then, right, okay, yeah. but of course you're not that familiar mm. with Blades in the Dark, are you? I've played no. it a few. I've played it a few times. I, I think I, this is an opportunity for you to guffaw and sound surprised. I very, I very much enjoyed Blades in the Dark, but I, I think there are elements of the way you play it that. It takes time to to sort of get into and get grasp. Your head a bit yeah. like the whole flat the whole flashback thing. Um it's good, I think, but everyone's gotta get into it and understand what they can and can't do with with that mechanic. Um because if you only have one person who really gets it, then nobody else ever says anything. Um, yeah. so so I like but I also <laughs> one of the other reasons I really liked it was um Paul who we played with has got this massive industrial printer in his office and he mm -hmm. basically printed off the map on a kind of six by six oh. map, which we then mm. had on the table, which was just brilliant. It really made the whole thing, the feel of the feel of the game really came to life with, uh, with a map like that on the table, which was really cool, but I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not quite sure why we didn't carry on playing, but we played a few scenarios, but um, I think it's, it's a, it's an acquired taste. I think for some people, yeah. Now, you see, I really enjoyed uh, Blades in the Dark and I was very excited by Scum and Villainy. And yeah. for me, it just didn't work in Scum and Villainy mode at all. At all. At all. No. Why? Paul ran us through, um, uh, what's it called? Band of Blades. Were you in on that one or was that? No, I didn't I play Band were. of Blades. No. And that that was more fun using, using the system. Um, but no, in... Scum and Villainy really didn't work for me. And I I think there's a thing about... Um, so Blazing... You know, so the, the basic die roll is uh, a bit like... Um, uh, oh, God, what's it called? Powered by the Apocalypse. Mm. In that when you choose to roll a dice, either you succeed... Or something bad happens, and in fact, really, the 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 GM 
doesn't have any say on when bad things happen until you fail a dice roll. Um, and I, and in 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 this sort of caper in the fantasy pseudo Victorian fantasy of blades in the dark. That's great fun, you know. That, so when 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 you fail, and you go, "Oh shit!" Now we're in a mess. We very much enjoyed that. Weirdly, when playing in a sci-fi mode, I didn't so much enjoy okay. it. I think it's simple as that. And you know, I'm trying to think about the fiction. Whether the fiction, you know, they so it, obviously one of the things they evoke is Star Wars. Another thing is Firefly, and when with Firefly, you can argue that the drama is made when things uh, don't go smooth, as Mal might say. Uh, but still, it doesn't... S Star Wars is definitely a lot more heroic than that, and things generally don't go wrong for them. You know, when when they act, things go right. And I kind of feel that um, the same is actually true as well for, for, um, for Firefly more than in a caper movie where the whole point of a caper is things go wrong. Um, mm. uh, so, yeah, that's that's my feeling about that one. So, anyway, uh, bring it into... So, so, so I guess, just, yeah, that's in, that's interesting because... So, are you saying then that in the kind of, the like you say, the pseudo-Victorian setting of, of Blades in the Dark, things going wrong and staying wrong happens more or is more likely to happen than in something like Star Wars or Firefly, where things go wrong, but by the end of the episode, things usually have gone right. Yeah, I think I think that's what I'm saying. Now, it was so. There's nothing to stop you having things go wrong in a Star Wars or a Firefly context. There was there as a GM. I mean, if you wanted yeah, that kind um, of gritty, it's all shit and everything's going wrong the whole time kind of vibe, then you could do, you could do that. But I think you kind of earn. Uh, you know the I don't know so much whether this happens in the Star Wars game, but um, you can kind of when things go wrong, you can kind of earn things that make it go right in the end. Whereas actually, the end of uh, Blades in the Dark Adventure can be hilariously funny and great, even if everything has gone wrong and you walk away with nothing. Um, now, it, the the one adventure I've played. I managed to get a bloody double six on my very last roll, which which meant that it was actually a spectacular success for us. But it would have still been funny. On that roll, there was a chance that um, it was a spectacular success and we got away with everything we wanted to get in that adventure, or I would have been arrested and yeah. carted off to prison. Both of those results would have been hilarious, actually, and, and great fun. And I would have sacrificed myself for the rest of my gang. I don't know mechanically what happens then when, when you're caught, whether yeah. there's a way of getting out of it or you just roll up a new character or whatever. But but either of those outcomes would have been absolutely in keeping with the story An we'd done. Entertaining outcome, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas... Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of the Empire Strikes Back, where Han Solo gets cast into um, Carbonite. So uh, yeah. we know uh, you're not a fan of Empire Strikes Back. So I think yeah. I think I think there's something interesting there, though, because I think then that you know the Star Wars setting, as you said before, is a bit is heroic, and what the characters are doing is heroic. And if they fail, then you're they're they're 
you're falling a long way from that heroic ideal and that would yeah. feel bad that would feel bad as a player potentially and less yeah, funny i, I less never funny. felt good as whereas, a player playing whereas Scandal as a Villain. player in blades of the dark you're so near the, the bottom anyway that actually you haven't got very far to fall if you fail and actually yes. that perhaps makes it more fun the failing is more fun because what you're trying to achieve isn't you know universal yes, change absolutely. or you know yeah decidedly immoral and maybe immorality yes. shouldn't be rewarded whereas actually in <laughs> in star wars and in and in i would argue in firefly even though they're criminals they are moral and you know their morality should be rewarded and i didn't feel that yeah. decision making was getting rewarded in the same way in scum no, and villainy no. yeah okay bloody cool. hell and that's that the end of our philosophy of gaming segment. <laughs> Do we need to start a new... We have World of Gaming, Philosophy of Gaming, and then we have everything Maybe else. Maybe we should. You know, we, we've we talked should. about authenticity. We've talked about morality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk, uh, just, just, I, just to wrap off the, the morality point, um, I'd, like to, I'd like, just like to flag, which I think we have done before, that in Tales of the Old West, lack of morality is a survival factor. Whereas holding on to morality strongly often ends very badly for you. So, uh, well, as we're, you as we're say finding. that. <laughs> so, well, experience so far. If Tony hadn't been such a moral <laughs> character, his character would still be alive, almost certainly. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, maybe. He did, he did the right thing and he died mercilessly for it. But yeah. I like <clears> to think, though, that there can be an upwards arc to this. Completely. Uh, and I think the fact that we talk about that death incessantly mm-hmm. shows how powerful it was and actually how in the game, I mean, entertaining is possibly the wrong word for Tony because I remember the look on his face when the double six came up. But actually, it's turned out really well. He's got a great Oh, I character. don't know. I was entertained. I remember the exclamation. Yeah, I was entertained, I went, but I felt, I, I felt bad for Tony. And the look on Tony's yeah. face was, was, was a picture. Um, but it didn't last long, you know. Tony took it yeah. in the right, in the right, in the right stride, and then it was great for me because it then led on to another line of um, a lot of scenario of campaign, which was great. Mm. So that, I think you know, it's yeah. a good thing having that kind of uh, you know bad outcome for a good character because we talk about it all the time. We remember it. It's a it's a key moment in the game. Oh yeah, yeah, it's and all, and you good. see that kind of fits the genre as well it does yeah um, uh, and so again it's it's nice. like it's like the story the story of i can't yeah because he was william harlston wasn't he his brother was jimmy harlston so mm. actually you know when tony rolled up william harlston and had a compadre of his younger brother we didn't know at that point that the story was actually about jimmy and not about william and mm. william's death is a key moment in jimmy's story that tony is now playing um, yeah it's what comes back to the whole um, Yafet Otho death or not death mm-hmm. thing. I kind of wish, in hindsight... That you'd accepted that actually, your birthday, we'd, 66. Yeah, we'd let him die. And then actually the story wasn't about Yafet. It was about his brother, Tony's character. Mm. And actually, it, you know, it, for me as a player, it wasn't about Yafet. It was about his brother. And whatever yeah. new character I, I created would fit into that somehow. But actually... I love that. You know, you think the story is about one person. They die because the dice decide to kill them. 
And actually, no, it's not their story at all. It's somebody else's story. And that death is a key moment in somebody else's story. And I like that. And we should stick, you know, we should have stuck to it uh, mm. in Coriolis. We've actually. got another couple of deaths to talk about after you've talked about Market Garden that we'll come on to, actually, because that's some okay. interesting stuff there. Um, cool. Moving on, though, just so that our philosophy of gaming doesn't go on too long. Um, <laughs> that was a good section. Uh, I like that. That was cool. D and D released as a collectible part work. Have you seen the adverts <laughs> for that? I I saw the advert yesterday. Yeah, and I just I think I didn't really look at it closely. I just kind of rolled my eyes and went back to yes, Starfield because so I was that. playing Starfield at the same time. Although, so I, mean, I it's, honestly, it's, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. I don't think having it advertised on national television is probably a good thing for role playing overall. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is that thing about they, you know, they um, they only make those part works when they know they can fleece noobs. So the fact that it <laughs> yeah. is so much of the public culture that that D and D has that brand recognition is great. Um, I'm kind of intrigued. I kind of want to go down to the supermarket and get the first issue. Uh, only because I want to know what do you put in the first issue of a part work like that that enthuses you to play the game and rewards you for buying that first issue and yet leaves you wanting everything else they're going to you know sell you over the next well, wanting and 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 needing more you know it's got yeah. to leave some yes so will you be able to play the game based on part one yeah because there's a lot um, of content you... you'd have to give to do that and if you're what well, you know I, I don't know it just it's like it's like I don't know. It's, it's like a here's part one, but it's the it's the it's the core book. I don't know. I don't know what the like, yeah, like you. I don't know what so, they are so giving you. For example, do you get some um, pre-made characters and an adventure and guidance how to do that sort of thing, so that you don't have you know the ability to make your own characters yet, but you do have the yeah. ability to actually play a whole little game. Um, you know, and and maybe even do you get a thing um, that you you can do on your own or do you do it as a group so you don't even have to worry about getting the group together so is it more like one of those um you know uh, choose your own adventure Fan books fantasy books yeah um i'm kind of intrigued to see what the content is you get a set of dice uh, with the first issue and i think you then get another set of dice with a later issue i had a look at the website um but you get a nice set of dice in a tin uh, which probably makes the first issue worth it on its own yeah um i mean not that either of us are short of dice. But, uh, <laughs> you can never I have can too imagine... many dice. You can never have too many dice. Yeah, that might you know that might make this first issue a big seller. But then, how do they make it compelling? I think I get the impression that there's a an, an adventure in every issue, but it can't just okay. be adventures. I feel there's got to be. I wonder yeah. if if this is just kind of a, a a teaser in the hope that people will buy one or two. And then we'll just go and buy the books or whether. Yeah, but, you know, they, whether, I, mean, I don't know who the publishing company is behind it, but they want to make some money. They don't just want to push sales no. to. No, um, no, no, that, that's wizards. true. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, less said about that, probably the better on our decidedly <laughs> non-D&D podcast. But we will put a link <laughs> in the show notes, I suppose. We um, might as well. Finally, finally, um, we we not only got 
pilot ball through the post. We also, both of us got they grow up so fast. The um, We did. Norfolk-based supplement for Tales from the Loop. Indeed. And a very nice little book it is too, I have to say. Uh, yeah. Boyles Mills, who we spoke to on the podcast some months ago. Um, I like it. I like it very much. He um, he explained a little bit about the uh, kind of the plot that was that was coming in it, and obviously, in reading it, you can um, you know, get a bit more information about that. And, and the plot is nice. I like it. It's um, it's not super original, but I think the idea is a good one. And I like the idea. Um, and running that idea through four seasons, you know, a year of time for the kids, is a, is a, is a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. And the setting in Norfolk is fine, is interesting. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't read all of it. Um, it's got four scenarios in it, which, you know, take you through through that year. Um, and I won't do any, I won't do spoilers for anybody who might no. play it. Um but it's good. It's a, lovely, uh, so it's a very the, nice book. The Norfolk it's, it's... Ring has appeared in a previous supplement. Um, Our Friends Machines, I think, in other tales. Um, as a kind of case study, and if you want to build a ring in your own, or loop, I should oh, say. Oh, okay. In, yeah. In your own locality. They used Norfolk as an example of where they did it. And it's in the broads. Part of me just wants to um, play this when we go to Norfolk for a... <laughs> thing and just go through the whole thing um but i don't it's know if you'll be up for that maybe we should suggest that to the others and see what they say um but the thing that i really liked about this and that i really wanted to talk about is the fact that this is not illustrated for the most part by simon stallenhag and yet it is um illustrated in the genre in the Simon Stallenhall genre style yeah yeah and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because Simon Stallenhag is one of the most oft sort of reference works in AI produced art everybody you know in fact there was a bit of a somebody somebody very purposely said a few months ago I want you know I I'm, I'm making Seaman style and hag style art to see whether Seaman will sue me or whatever, uh, very <laughs> provocatively. Nice. And, and you know, arguably it is quite an easy thing for computers to get the hang of because, you know, you're not... Uh, people often have their faces turned away and stuff like that and, um, you know, it's a very recognisable style. None of that, none of the art in here is AI-generated. It's all drawn... And what I think is brilliant about it is it's all made by artists who kind of reference Simon Stallenhag in style, but they're also put their own personality and style into it. Mm. Um, and if you've got, I, I might even do a little YouTube video about this because uh, on, on, on pages six and seven, there's a picture of three, quid, three kids looking towards some Simon Stallenhag style uh, loop towers whatever they are and you know it's it's more painterly than Simon does by which I mean you know Mm. you can kind of feel the paint strokes in it but actually in terms of composition it's very Simon Stallenhag um so I'm I'm loving that and I love the fact that you know people are doing that and and frankly that companies are investing in art like this where 
you know, a less, a more, a less moral company, frankly, could have, you know, simply told an AI generator, make me some Singer Stalin hug pictures of Norfolk. In fact, I think mm. we, we had a go of that uh, on, on, um, in the Discord. Uh, I think Bruce and a couple of others started doing some Norfolk pictures. Uh, had a play with it, yeah. And for me, this feels... It, there's a humanity in here that is sadly lacking from any of those. Um, I also noticed the artists here are, for the most part, Polish, and it's a co-publication with Black Monk, who are the Polish publishers of a lot yeah. of Feelings' work. So, um, so that's good. Yeah, I'm all for that, and I think people should buy it. Yeah, I'll I agree. link in the show notes. Yeah, cool. Nice. Right, we're 40 minutes in, mate. Shall we uh, go on to your piece? Yeah, okay. So, um, um, Market Garden. So, now I've finished the first draft of the War Stories RPG Rendezvous with Destiny campaign Part 2, Operation Market Garden, and I've had the chance to have a few reflections on the experience of writing this campaign. But because I'm a history nerd and I've done the research, I'm going to pause for a second to give a brief overview of what Operation Market Garden actually was and what it was trying to achieve. Market Garden was intended to punch Allied forces through the Netherlands along a main road called Highway 69 all the way to Arnhem and the bridges over the Nederine River from where the Allied forces could push on into Germany. Market Garden would outflank the Germans' defensive line, the Siegfried Line, with a concentrated thrust from Belgium through the Netherlands and into the northern plains of Germany, threatening the Nazis' industrial heartlands of the Ruhr. If successful, it would have the Allies over the Rhine and into German territory, with room for mobile forces to operate, and in theory at least, a clear run to Berlin. The operation was in fact two operations in one. Operation Market, the airborne assault to capture and preserve key bridges along Highway 69, and Operation Garden, the armoured ground assault, which would charge along the highway and into Germany. Market Garden was the brainchild of Field Marshal Sir Bernard Montgomery, the senior British officer in the Supreme Headquarters Allied Expeditionary Force, or SHAFE, under the command of General Dwight D. Eisenhower. For a man with a reputation for tactical and strategic caution, it was a very bold plan. It was conceived after the breakout from Normandy, with German troops in a disorganised retreat, but with the Allies still facing the prospect of an ongoing attritional battle across a very broad front. But the operation was not without its critics. To provide the supplies Montgomery demanded, Eisenhower had to slow the advance of the US Third Army under General George Patton in northern France. Not only that, the focus on Market Garden slowed Allied efforts to capture the critical Belgian port of Antwerp and allowed 60,000 German troops to slip away at the same time troops that later joined the battle in the Netherlands. The operation was also predicated on the wishful assumption that the German army had no fight left and that the soldiers in the Netherlands were just old men and boys, low-quality fighting troops. Intelligence to the contrary was downplayed or ignored. Montgomery was absolutely convinced it was the best plan for the Allies in the teeth of strong opposition from other senior officers. Tensions were high. Emotions were heated. At one point, Eisenhower was forced to calm and irate Montgomery with the words, Steady, Monty. You can't speak to me like that. 
I'm your boss. But despite the misgivings, Eisenhower was convinced and gave Market Garden the green light. Market Garden ultimately failed to achieve its strategic objective, although it did succeed with the vast majority of its tactical objectives. But the bridge at Arnhem was a bridge too far. Although with a few different planning decisions, I think it could still have been taken. Rendezvous with Destiny Part 2, as with Part 1, focuses on the ongoing story of the 101st Airborne Division, responsible for capturing and holding the first of three operational zones, that from Eindhoven to Uden, and being the first of the airborne forces to link up with the British Armoured Divisions of the 30 Corps. I've talked a lot before about role-playing campaigns set in a historical setting, so I won't rehearse all my thoughts here. The one I will touch on is the time, effort and commitment needed to do the research and get the historical details right, as far as possible. This is no small undertaking, and if you're writing at a rate of X cents per word, it'll make your hourly rate even lower. So consider that before embarking on this kind of work. I personally love the research element of writing historical RPGs, but it is time-consuming, and if you're just picking up work for hire, then an accurate historical RPG might not be for you. Rendezvous with Destiny Part 2 picks up the story told in Rendezvous with Destiny Part 1, and is intended to continue that campaign, although Part 2 can be picked up and run straight off the page without having played through Normandy first. But writing it has been an interesting experience, in that rather than writing just the next scenario in an ongoing campaign, I've written a whole campaign that is the next campaign in an ongoing campaign. Rendezvous with Destiny Part 1 had seven operational missions to play through, most of which had at least two separate objectives to fight for almost 14 scenarios in itself. It also has two campaign stories, wider narratives that develop and play out as the whole campaign unfolds. It has a definite ending. Rendezvous with Destiny Part 2 is written in a similar way and to a similar scale. But Part 2 also has to build on that foundation and account for however the Normandy campaign finished in any given GM's game but it also had to be written in such a way as to allow it to be played independently, without part one, if that's what the GM wants to do. At the end of part one, there are various outcomes that can play out, and although several of those alternate endings do draw a firm line under the story being told, some can continue to play out into Rendezvous with Destiny, part two. As with much in war stories, the GM is encouraged to make the stories being told and the outcomes of those stories their own, with guidance written into the campaign. Part 2 continues this tradition, with guidance that's taken three forms. Highlighting the points in the story where the narrative can diverge along one of several different paths. Offering ideas and options about how the story might develop along those different paths. And flagging key NPCs that may, or may not, feature heavily depending on the outcome of the Normandy campaign. In writing the fresh campaign, I hope I've given the GM just the right amount of guidance to help them, without either leaving them floundering or feeling overwhelmed by options. Ultimately, the players will be the final arbiters of whether I've got this right or not. Writing Rendezvous with Destiny Part 2 has been a different experience to that of writing the first part, or writing any other campaign in a non-historical setting. For one thing, I can't just go anywhere I like with a story. There's a history, and I need to follow that as far as I can. 
So wild and imaginative ideas, like those you can have in a setting with fewer boundaries, are harder, if not downright impossible, to implement. Also, I could be freer in my handling of Normandy than I could be with Market Garden. The airborne assault of Operation Overlord was a hot and confusing mess, with paratroops scattered all over the Cotentin Peninsula, making their own decisions and fighting the war in the way they thought best in any given moment. It made sense that the player characters could end up anywhere, have a lot more personal agency in their actions rather than just following orders, and get involved in a widespread of potential missions across the battlefield, at least until the end where the action focuses in on the battle for Carantan. But in Market Garden, the troops were more closely organised and more readily controlled and directed by senior military leadership. The latitude for a low-ranking officer or an NCO to make strategic decisions was far less during Market Garden than it was in the early days of Overlord. This runs the risk of greater railroading of the story to fit the historical theme of the game. To minimise this, I've always looked to build the missions in the campaign in such a way so they can happen in any sequence the GM or the players want. If the PCs get the urge to go and defend X, then so be it. If they want to attack and capture Bridge Y, then go do that instead. There are limits, of course, but I hope this way the players feel they have greater agency rather than just being ordered to go there, march here and have a fight. The campaign also gives the players full tactical control of how they go about tackling their specific missions and comes with two new campaign stories that will play out through the campaign. My last comment refers to where I felt the need to fiddle with the history. Market Garden, as an operation, began on the 17th of September 1944 and by the 22nd it had already failed due to the intense fighting, the slow progress of the 30 Corps and the delay in supporting the British 1st and 6th Airborne Divisions at Arnhem. The bridge at Arnhem was literally a bridge too far. However, fighting continued for several weeks after that, as the Allies and German forces fought over Highway 69 and control of the southwestern part of the Netherlands. A lot of attritional combat that slowly peters out doesn't make for a great finale, so I've taken a little liberty with the history to create a tense and climactic final mission that kind of wraps up all the weeks of attritional fighting into one exciting scene. I hope it works. I think it does. But as I said before, GMs and their players will be the judge. So, that's great, Dave. I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the history lesson and I enjoyed mm -hmm. uh, the how to make a game out of it. Now, cool. give me a bit of an extra history lesson, though. Um we're going to be finishing the first part of the campaign shortly. In terms of what our characters do at the end of that first part of that campaign, what what is the assumption? I really, I honestly don't know how this happened. Did they just march out of France towards the Netherlands? Did they go back to England, right. jump in another, <clears throat> or get into another airplane and jump out back in Market Garden? What what what's what's how are our characters going to get to that next adventure? Yeah, so after about a month of, or maybe a bit more actually, um, of fighting in in Normandy, um, the the kind of the crux of it for the 101st Airborne, which is obviously what we focus on in Rendezvous with Destiny, the crux of it was the Battle for Carantan, because that was the key city um, between Utah and Omaha beaches, which without control of that, you couldn't link up the two American beaches into one overall beachhead. 
So it was critical mm. to, 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 to capture Carantan. And for the Germans, it was critical to hold on to it. Um, so, so this that is for... the bit we're coming up to in our playthrough that Thomas is yeah. running. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's quite, that's a big battle. Carantan's quite a big place. The, the rules that I put into the campaign are slightly different for Carantan for managing that because um, than it is for the other missions because the other missions are smaller in scale. Whereas, you know, mm. in reality, there are thousands of troops involved in attacking Carantan. Um, it's a bit difficult to recreate that in the game in one sense. So we've had to change the rules slightly in order to manage that, which kind of creates mini battles within the city. Um, and once you win one mini battle, you are then able to go on and take the next objective and, and you know, and slowly take control of the town. Um, but yeah, so after that, they were um, they were basically taken off the line. They were taken back to the coast and, and back to England. Um, okay, to just, a... just technically out on a boat. I mean, I think they were. That... I think they were. I think they were shipped back by boat. I don't know for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I suspect they were shipped back by boat rather than plane because I think all the planes would be busy doing operational stuff rather mm. than just shipping troops back to back to England. Um, but they they ended up back in Aldbourne. Now, interestingly, the uh, the part two, the Market Garden campaign, has got a prologue, which is a, a basically a mission or mission style approach to the time in Aldbourne. So they were there for a couple mm -hmm. of months before they went back to uh, before Market Garden started, and in that oh. time they had they had the chance to recover from their wounds. They had a um, a memorial service to those who were killed. In Normandy, they um, they had some R and R, so some of them went on leave, you know, and they sort of went around the country and went. Some, some visited old family, you know, the old family roots in Ireland and elsewhere. So I'm trying to recreate that and give the the GM, the players, an opportunity to live that experience a little bit, um, mm. which should be quite fun. And in that period, obviously, they they got replacements, so new men being brought in who were green, who were often got themselves killed in combat very easily because they were reckless and didn't really, you know, they weren't veterans, yeah. didn't know, didn't know what they were going into. So they had to be rolled into the units as well, into the, into the company. And then training started for the next phase of the war. Now for the 101st, they had a lot of cancelled operations in the month before Market Garden happened because the advance of the third army um, after the breakout from Normandy was so fast that Patton's tanks overran the drop zones for the, uh, oh, for, right. the for the airborne. So, you know, the tanks got there before the um you know the mission started to, to get the, the airborne in. So there was there was a there was a real desire amongst um the you know the Allied command to make use of what was a very expensive and you know very elite um part of the army, the airborne. You know, both the British and the American, and then there were Poles and, and others as well. So Market Garden had, because it was going to be the biggest airborne operation in history, it, it had a lot of kind of you know army. Um, we've got to do something with these airborne troops, and this is a this is an opportunity to, to use them in the way that we'd want to. Uh, so yeah, so they spent a couple of months in Oldbourne, recovering, getting new men in, having a bit of fun retraining and then getting ready for market garden and then market garden happened in on the 17th of september was the was the was d-day for market garden mm. 
Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm liking the sound of that. Um, what can I say about our, our campaign without spoiling it? Well, first of all, we have so far lost two player characters, only two out of, well, we lost a few more, but only because players drifted off. But now we've got a, like, right. a core band of players. Um, two of which they, have had Were they their, killed or, or wounded and out of the war? Um, oh, <laughs> uh, so most recently, um, Thomas posted on, on our Discord that he'd killed um, one of those players. Uh, I pointed out that he shouldn't really have done that. Um, he should have killed the player character. Um, oh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was harsh. I mean, we don't advocate <laughs> killing the actual player when the character dies. No. But, you know, if that's Thomas's bag, if that's the way he runs his game, then so be it. Yeah, I mean, it's quite good as well, because, you know, there's a w- half a world between us. So you obviously took out a contract on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, so th- that player um, died um, not with any brilliant uh, dice roll, but through attrition, just getting one or two wounds um, uh. every round in a desperate knife fight with two Germans. This This is a character, Ripper, who was uh, ex-prison that used his shiv as his favoured weapon quite a lot and has previously uh, dived headfirst into the enemy trenches and just gone about slaughtering people to great effect but great danger, getting himself sometimes wounded but never that badly. Well, this time he still didn't get any you know major criticals on him but he did just get stabbed to death with the bayonet Slowly more often than his body could yeah. cope. Um so the other one was Mohammed's um, character, or Mohammed's first character, I should say, and he, if I remember, got shot as he climbed out from having manually detonated the explosives under a bridge. Uh, got shot right. in the back because he was climbing out of the uh, climbing up the river. Oh right? no! And I managed actually with my shitty medical role, I actually managed to save his life. But one imagines. He's cursing me now, paralysed from the neck down. Um, oh, no. So he's he's no longer in the, in the combat. But um, He's out of the war, yeah. yeah. He, he is out of the war. Uh, but I was so chuffed with saving cool. his life. I, uh, you know, because I, I only had like, I can't remember, three dice or something to, to <laughs> roll on it because I'm in no way a medic. But I managed to uh, managed to save his life and shouted so loudly that I woke my wife up who was asleep in bed upstairs. Um, <laughs> She was not happy about cool. that. <laughs> um, so we've lost those two characters, but right, there's some, yeah. you know, changes have gone on. Now, particularly, I think. Um, uh, so we, we, I feel we're kind of bonding as a unit as well. So, um, uh, which is I feel we mourned yeah. uh, Ripper when he died. Uh, I I was rubbing up against our sergeant in the first adventure when he sent me across the field straight into machine gun fire. Um, I, you know, I, yeah. against my better judgment, uh, but I think you know I think our, we are working better as a team now, so that's good. Um, yeah. We've also um, got a new character or relatively new character who joined us as our new um, lieutenant, and we backed him up um, as uh, you know against our. Up until that point, our favourite kind of um, oh dear, what are their ranks? The um, 
Leave, so they're, they're first lieutenants, lieutenants are they? Yeah, first lieutenants. First lieutenants, yeah. So the lead, there are two sort of first lieutenants, uh, lieutenants who, are, who were feuding. One of them has since actually you know, got promotion. We were behind um, the one who didn't get promotion. Um, and in fact, I, I ground-nosed him enough to be made corporal. Um, <laughs> but because he's taken against our lieutenant, we, uh, we're now kind of taken against him. Um, I mean, he okay. effectively suggested, uh, or he didn't, one of the other sergeants suggested that uh, I should put our lieutenant in a box. <laughs> I, I, he, you could argue he'd meant put him back in his box, but I've taken it as uh, encouragement as, to kill him. Oh, yeah, and I'm not having that. Um, you know, our, 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 our lieutenant is a bit of a newbie and a bit green and a bit slow to make decisions, and he's not a great lieutenant. But is, we're not is he here a player character or a or a or a background character? That one. Sorry. Is that a player character? Uh, no, he, or a he's a player character. character. So he's a new player yeah. character. So T- Thomas's brother-in-law has actually joined us. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and I think as a player, he's you know he, this is his first time back into role playing for some time. So a lot of the traits that I'm putting on the character may well be a player traits in terms of decision making and stuff like that, which is great because the the two merge together, and I'm willing to you know put that yeah. very much on the character. But still, he's our lieutenant, and we're a yeah. team. And, you know, you can't ask me to kill my own lieutenant. I, yeah. you know, at some point down the line, I may want to kill my own lieutenant but right now. Um, so we, we bonded as a team, which I think is really interesting. And, you know, an example of how this sort of role-playing aspect's happening, the moments outside the battle. But the battle yeah. bit for me is still, you, you said earlier in the, in the recording, uh, you weren't entirely sure it was my sort of game. And it's not, because it's a bit too tactical for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a game that's and, come and, out from del- a... Deliberately, you know, yeah. Yeah, and these are people who wanted to add role-playing to their wargaming, and it feels, to me, a little bit too much like that when we get into the conflict. Um, and, in fact, you know, in a way, that's what gets somebody like Ripper killed by, you know... By being a role player, of course, in this last battle, I was very happy to sit in a captured German machine gun nest, turning German machine guns back on Germans, yeah, uh, and just sit there and not not you know play my part in a battle, not not be a role playing person. If you like, everybody takes their turn to be front and center of the show, and yeah. you know, me and and you know and, and Mohammed, in fact, is my loader. So all he did was bloody load the gun. <laughs> um, you know, and he made a loading yeah. roll, and you don't even get, I don't even get a bonus, but he does really well on loading my gun. <laughs> uh, um, but we were happy doing that within the within the thing. But, you know, that's kind of tactical role-playing, yeah. or tactical yeah. game-playing that says, well, you know, let's, let's you know, we've got this powerful gun here. We've got a, it's pointing at some Germans. We just shoot it and keep those Germans suppressed. Um, yeah. As opposed to... Which you is know, an important tactical part of a, of a battle, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, get that. Yeah. So I think, I think you know, I said earlier, <clears throat> one of the things that you know you, this game could easily have become is just a tactical combat simulator. And I, yeah. I certainly didn't want that because it's a role-playing game and you'll want to be playing, you know, focusing in on the individuals who are within that 
context and in that landscape and that setting. Um, it's interesting. It's great to hear that the so so there are two campaign stories which run through the campaign for the GM to use as much as they wish or not, and it's great to hear your conversation there about what's been happening because that is basically one of the campaign stories kind of playing out mm-hmm. which is cool and the whole point of bringing those in was to try and you know let let the tactical stuff happen i think people you know many people enjoy that but don't let that overwhelm the role playing side of the game as well and interesting that mm. you say that you all mourned ripper um because there there are things in market garden which that might play into. Mm. So, I, you know, Ooh, I won't get any, any, any spoilers. But, um, you know, if he, if, he, if he was a much beloved character and he's now, he died, then there are things that, m- m- implications of that that might come out in the next campaign. So, cool. Yeah. But no, I, I, it's great to hear, um, you, hear you're enjoying it. And um, Yeah, no, I'm keen to play Market Garden, whereas... Maybe I might have said, oh, I've done it now. I, I played Rendezvous with Destiny. It was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but actually, I'm quite keen. I'm, I mean, I don't know what the... So what is... You've, you've handed in your text. When are we... Yes. So what, I, what happens I don't, next? I don't know. I don't know what the, shed, the production schedule is on that. So they've had, they've had the first draft for a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, I know they're busy on their current skirmish game Kickstarter can't remember the name of it blood and something um blood and blood and crowns i think it's um... yeah that yeah that's the one so i don't know how soon it'll be before they get to look at it um but yeah they've got it and i mean they've been waiting for it so hopefully um we'll get a sense in the not too distant future about what the production schedule will be i suspect it'll probably be a year before it comes out um, yeah i was just wondering whether there might be an opportunity for thomas and i or thomas and i Thomas and the team, I should say, to play test it. Mm, absolutely, yes. Uh, uh, when sure. when Thomas is back in 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 the land of the right time zone. Yeah, uh, absolutely for sure. Because I I haven't play tested any of it yet. Yeah. Um, I should do actually. Uh, but yes, definitely is the answer to that question. Cool. Okay, Thomas, you've been volunteered. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <clears throat> No, so cool, here we are. Cool. We're um we're we're just an hour into recording. We'll add ten minutes on for your um We've reached the bridge too far recorded bit and we will have done a whole programme. What are we doing next week? I Ooh. don't know. Not next week. Well, you, uh, let me just two weeks. Because you yeah, were going to do something, time. weren't you? You, you had yeah, something. I am gonna do I'm gonna do something on um on wages actually. Which I I'm, I'm doing on your behalf. Uh, that is going to be at the end of this month. Uh, what? What on... is it again? So I'm going to. So I'm going to talk about what we, what we earn out of um, community content and why. Right. I'm going to make it, a case yeah. for charging more. More. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it's going to be quite a considered cool. case. So I'm going to need to spend two month, two weeks now. Um, pulling all the data together to do that. Yeah, good, uh, good, and, excellent. And then I notice uh, the week after we'll be recording again. Then on the fourteenth, which is good, because I will have been to Essen in the intervening time. 
Yep. And then, and then we the will 15th. record next on the 15th. So that's handy. So there will be no interruption to the show then. Um, but then we have a problem because then we're going to be at Comic-Con when we should be recording. Yeah. We'll have to have a think about so, that one. <clears throat> yeah. Comic-Con live special. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting because it's, it's the first time we will be at Comic-Con for free. Yeah. And um, I've, I've, I've never been there before, I don't think. Um, no. Nope. My boy so, has. So it'll uh, be an interesting convention to, yeah, to sample yeah. and see see how we do. So, um, but yeah, so two weeks time, you're going to do your considered case on charging more for community content. Cool, I'm looking yes. forward to it. Right then, well, I think as I said, we've come to the bridge too far. So unless there's anything else you urgently need to say today, Matt, it's goodbye from me. <laughs> And it's goodbye from him. And may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.